0: Hey there, this is Brian Zond, and welcome to my sermon podcast. I'm glad that you're interested in the sermons that I preach here at Word of Life Church in St. Joseph, Missouri, and if you ever feel inclined to help us by supporting us financially, you can do that at our website, wolc.com. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm excited about VBS as well, and I will be praying every day. During VBS, that s- the seeds of a lifelong fascination with Jesus will be sown in young hearts. So, join with me in praying that this week. Um, well, this past week, I've been doing a lot of things, been productive. One of the things that I, I got done this week was I finalized my selection for the 15th season of Finding God in the Music. Uh, it's a big secret. There'll be some surprises. There'll be some surprises. Uh, all of the music comes from albums that have been released within the past 10 months. So uh, I'm staying current, baby. I'm not, you know, I'm just not over there in the oldies section of the radio. All right. Uh, but that's not what we're up to today. Right now, we are continuing by uh, looking at this fabulous story. In the Old Testament, that is the book of Ruth. In the year 455 B.C., as Jewish exiles were returning to Judah, Ezra, the high priest, and Nehemiah, the governor, enacted an aggressive separation policy requiring Israelite men to divorce their Moabite wives and banish the children born of those marriages. Now this policy was a literal application of the Torah edict that declared that no Moabite would be admitted to the assembly of Yahweh. This prohibition was applicable to a person who had even a single ancestor, a single Moabite ancestor going back 10 generations. So in other words, if you had a great, 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 great grandparent who was a Moabite, no soup for you. <laughs> You're not getting into the assembly of Israel. Thus, the book of Ezra ends with the list of 117 names of Israelite men who divorced their Moabite women and their Moabite wives and banished their children. But apparently not everyone was on board with this policy. Because it was at this time that someone composed the book of Ruth. A love story that beneath the surface is a subversive romance. Previously, in episode one, you know, this is is a Netflix special that's just coming to you here. It's a Netflix series. Previously, in episode one, Moab, we, we met this family from Bethlehem. The husband, Elimelech, means God is king. His wife, Naomi, means pleasant. And they had two sons Mahon, sickness, not the best name for a kid, and Chilion, destruction. We meet this family, they're in Bethlehem, house of bread, that's what Bethlehem means. And then a famine comes to the land. No bread in the house of bread. And in their desperation they are driven to seek sustenance and employment elsewhere. And they journey to the east side of the Dead Sea, about 100 miles from Bethlehem, to the land of Moab. And there they begin to try to cobble together a life. As their sons come of age, they marry Moabite women. Mahon marries Orpah. Her name means Nate, back of the neck. And then the younger, Chilion, he marries Ruth. Her name means friendship. So we have this, this nice integrated family there in Moab when catastrophe strikes. In short succession, all three males in the family die. Elimelech dies first, and then Mahon dies, presumably of sickness, and then Chilion dies, maybe of some kind of accident, and now suddenly we have just these three widows. Naomi and her two Moabite daughters-in-law. Ten years or so has gone by, and the famine's over in Bethlehem. Naomi decides there's nothing for me here there's too much pain here I'm going back home and her daughters-in-law to say well we're going to go with you we're going to go with you. And so they set out together to return to Bethlehem. But then at Naomi's urging Orpah turns back. Naomi says, "My daughters, I have nothing for you. You should go home to your people. You should go home to your mother's house. You should return. And that's when, that's when Orpah kisses her mother-in-law and then turns around and goes back home and the last thing that Naomi sees of Orpah is the back of her neck. That's her name. Ruth, on the other hand, clings to her mother-in-law Naomi. And says, no, I'm not going back. Where you go, I'll go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you live, y'all you live, where you die, I'll die. Where you're buried, I'll be buried. And so Ruth continues the journey with Naomi. Ruth 1:22. So Naomi returned together with Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law. Who came back with her from the country of Moab? They came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Episode two Bethlehem. Naomi and Ruth return to Bethlehem. I mean, for Ruth, I mean, for Naomi, it is a return. But for Ruth, we say they returned. It's not a return, not for Ruth. For for Ruth, this is a risky journey into the unknown. Ruth arrives in Bethlehem as the ultimate outsider. She's Ruth the Moabite. And according to Torah law, she has no possibility of gaining full acceptance into the assembly of Israel. So it's a risky venture into the unknown. She arrives as the ultimate outsider. Now in the ancient world, there were very few options for widows to make a living, especially widows that had no family. So widows and orphans were the most vulnerable people in society. They were just always on the other the, They're just always teetering on the edge of utter ruin. Widows and orphans. Thus, for the Hebrew prophets, care of widows and orphans was at the center of Yahweh's prophetic justice. One of the social provisions for widows and orphans in that society was to allow them to glean in the fields at harvest time. Leviticus nineteen nine. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and alien. I am the Lord your God. So you know it's harvest time. You are going through your field. You are reaping the harvest, but you don't get it all. You can't go back a second time. What what is kind of missed that's left in the field for the poor? And, and you can't you can't uh, reap all the way to the corners of your field. You leave the corners, and if you miss a little bit, you you leave that for the poor. This is this is part of the. Social safety net established by God in the life of Israel. More than that, Deuteronomy 24:19. When you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be left for the alien, the orphan, the widow so that the Lord your God may bless you in all your undertakings. So, you know, you you're, you're, you, gather, you reap, and then, and then you bundle them into sheaves, and then you carry them off to the barn, and if you realize, oh, you know, I left a sheaf out in the field, you can't go back and get it. That's going to be left there as provision for the poor. This is part of the social safety net that God commanded his chosen people to practice. I think just for a moment about being God's chosen people. To be chosen by God is to be chosen to be a people exhibiting social justice and economic mercy to the most vulnerable in society. Project Backpack. See, that's part of that. So to be the chosen people of God is to be chosen by God to exhibit God's own economic justice and social mercy to the most vulnerable in society, even if or especially if they are outsiders. This is something that any group claiming a divine right to anything has to always remember. If any group takes upon themselves the claim that that we are specially chosen of God, then understand that group also is asserting and we have a special obligation to make sure that justice is done to the most vulnerable. All right, so it's fortunate for Naomi and Ruth that they arrived in Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. I mean, they can survive this way and then they show up, they have nothing, but it's the beginning of the barley harvest so they can They have a hope of survival. Now, Ruth, being the younger and more vigorous of these two widows, she's aware of this policy, and she volunteers to go out and to glean in the fields during the barley harvest. Ruth, chapter 2, verse 3. And it chanced that Ruth came upon the field of Boaz. It chance by chance, perchance, Ruth walks out the door. Perchance, she arrives in a field belonging to Boaz. Now, as our story unfolds, we are going to begin to suspect that more than chance is at work here. But here's the thing. As we live our lives in real time, we usually cannot distinguish mere chance from divine providence. It's it's only in retrospect. It's only after you've gone through that and you look back and go, oh, I thought I was just per chance, but I see the hand of God. Come on, how many of you know? Yeah, that, I, I didn't know it at the time, but I was being guided by God. In the fury of the moment, I can see the master's hand in every leaf that trembles in every grain of sand. Perchance. She comes to the field belonging to Boaz. Who's this Boaz? He's just entered our story. Boaz. Well, he was a prominent, wealthy somewhat older landholder in Bethlehem. He's well-respected, he's wealthy, he's well-known, and he's, uh, let's say he's he's entering his 40s. And pertinent to our story, he's single. He's unmarried. I don't know how this one got away. He's prominent, he's wealthy, well-respected, Now he's in midlife and he's not even married. Hmm. We know that the names all mean something in this book. Boaz, his name means strength. Strength. He's a strong man, strength. Boaz was the name of one of the two pillars in front of the Temple of Solomon. They have these two massive pillars: Joachim and Boaz, meaning he will establish and strengthen." So that's his name. He's a prominent man, wealthy man, middle-aged man, a strong man. And it's that field, a field belonging to Boaz, that roof perchance arrives in. So the, the harvest is going on. They're already working. The workers are hard out there working at it. And then, and then Boaz arrives he's got his supervisor, he's got his workers and, and Boaz arrives in the field to oversee everything. And uh, he greets his workers. He's a pious man. He says, the Lord be with you, the Lord be with you, the Lord be with you. And they answer back and the Lord bless you, the Lord bless you, Boaz is there to make sure everything is done. He's overseeing. Harvest. This is an important time. Got to, get, got to get it in. And he's checking in with his supervisor and seeing how things are going. Boaz is looking over his fields. And he says to his supervisor, who, who's that young woman over there? Oh, she has caught his eye. Who is, who is that young woman over there? Supervisor says, oh, that's the Moabite. The Moabite. How many Moabites are there in Bethlehem? One. That's the one. The Moabite. You know, that's the Moabite. You know, you know the story. Remember, remember, Elimelech and Naomi and their kids went off to Moab, and then, and then they all died. I mean, all the guys died. Well, this is, this is the widow of Elimelech and. Naomi's youngest son, Chilion, Ruth the Moabite. She was here early this morning. She asked me permission to, to glean in the field. I said, yeah, you can glean here. And I'll tell you what, she has not rested all morning. She just had it. She just had it. She hasn't rested all morning. Okay. Boaz is supervising the barley harvest in his field. A little while later, he goes over to Ruth. Hello, I'm Boaz. You're gleaning in my field. You're most welcome here. In fact, Boaz says, throughout the harvest season, you don't need to go to any other field. You just stay stay in my field. You don't, you don't need to go to any other fields. Just stay right here in my field. And you just, you just follow. You know, she, she's understand, she's not a reaper. She's not working for Boaz. She is just allowed the social welfare of picking up what the reapers leave behind. She says, you just, you just follow my workers and I'm going to tell them not to harass you. I'll tell them. Because, you know, you can imagine... You can imagine young women, vulnerable widows, whatever, gleaning in the fields, farmhands. You can understand that they could be probably at times subjected to vulgar insults and all sorts of things. So Baev says, you know, you don't worry about it. I'm going to talk to my workers. I'm going to tell nobody's going to bother you. You just stay right here. Oh, and Ruth, when you get thirsty, see over there, see those those water pots over there? Those are water pots that we have brought into the field for the workers. You just, you just help yourself to it. Just You, know, you don't have to ask for permission. Just go over there when you're thirsty, and you need a drink. Just go over to those water pots, and you can, you can have a drink. And Ruth bowed, and she said, well, thank you, but how has a Moabite found such favor in your eyes? Boaz says, oh, I've heard about you. I have been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people that you did not know before. Hold on. This has, this has a familiar ring to it. I've heard something like this before. I mean, this someone leaving their father's house and their kindred to go on a journey to a land they did not know before. Does that remind you of anything? Does that that perhaps remind you of Abraham who God called to leave his house, to leave his family, to leave his kindred and go to a land that he did not know? Does this remind you perhaps of Abraham? Well, it should. It's intended to remind you of Abraham. Now, I don't want to give too much away because we'll just let the story unfold as it unfolds. So I don't want to give too much away, but I will just drop a hint. If Israel has its patriarchs, Israel also has its matriarchs. That's all I'm saying. Then Boaz speaks this blessing over the young Moabite woman who has come to glean in his field. May the Lord reward you for your deeds. And may you have a full reward from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. My, what a lovely blessing. Why why are you showing me such favor? I've heard about you. And I've heard what you've done. And you're welcome here. And may Yahweh reward you for your deeds, your loyalty to your mother-in-law. And may you have a full reward from Yahweh, the God of it, A full reward, not a partial, not second class. May you have a full reward from Yahweh, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. Well, Boaz, he's not a theologian. He's a farmer. But he seems to have a generous theology about the God of Israel. Maybe a bit more generous than Ezra and Nehemiah. Something to consider. So Ruth goes back to gleaning. She's back just, you know, following the... The the reapers she's gleaning, gathering barley that then she can live on, or even if there's surplus, sell. She's gathering this up. And now it's noon. And the meal is brought to the field. You know, this is we gotta get the harvest in. You farmers, you know what I'm talking about. We gotta get this in. There's no there's no tractors, there's no mechanization, this is just labor. Human labor, we got to get it in, and so we got to we got to keep feeding these workers, these hired hands. We got to feed them, and so from the house they've brought lunch to the field. They're going to have a lunch break. It's going to be a hearty meal. They've got wine and everything. It's going to be a nice meal. They're having their noon lunch break. Big old big old meal set out there. This is not this is not for the gleaners. This is for the hired hands. But they're all sitting around this meal, and Boaz sees Ruth still gleaning, and he goes over to her and says, hey, come on, come over and have lunch with us. Really? Yeah, yeah, come over. So she comes over. She's hesitant. You know, she's not gonna be presumptuous. So she takes, she's not taking three chicken legs. She's, she's taking like a like a chicken neck and a little, just a little bit of potato salad. Boaz sees, oh no, 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 no. He takes her plate and fills it up. Fills it up. Here, eat it. And she eats till she's full. Now they're getting ready to go back to work. And Boaz, this is in the Bible, by the way. I'm not making this up. They're getting ready to go back to work. And he says, Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We got leftovers. You know about leftovers. How many of you know about leftovers? We got leftovers. Here, you can take this home. You can take this home to your mother-in-law. And he prepares leftovers for her. Oh, do you see what's going on here? This story started with a famine in the house of bread. But now we've got abundance. We got, we've gone from famine to Leftovers. All right, so she goes back and she's, she's working, she's working, she's following the reapers, she's gleaning, and Boaz is with his workers. He says, now, now, listen, guys, listen, guys, you, you let, you let Ruth, the Moabite, let her glean wherever she wants, and in fact, let her just come right up to the standing sheaves. You know, they're stacking these sheaves up. Let, let her glean just right, don't, don't chase her off. She comes right up to the standing sheaves. Let her glean whatever she wants. And in fact, guys, uh, when you're bundling the sheaves, don't be too careful. You get what I mean? You know, don't be too careful. Some might fall out. You might want to make sure that some falls out. And now the sun's beginning to set on the first day of the barley harvest. And Ruth returns home to Naomi. Naomi. And they only surprised at how much she's been able to glean. She's, this, is, this is more than they will need. They'll be able to sell some of this. Then Ruth gives to her mother-in-law. She brings out this little styrofoam, styrofoam thing. This is what you call an anachronism. She, she, she brings out this little styrofoam box, and she says, Look at this, look at this, chicken, potato salad, slaw. What is this leftovers? You got left. I got leftovers. They invited me to have lunch. Where in the world did you glean? Well, I went down, turned left, went down the road and I came to this field. I asked the supervisor. He said I could glean there. And then pretty soon the owner came and he said, just stay in this field. And then, and then lunch came and the owner invited me to come over and have lunch. And they gave me all I could eat. And then they picked up this little little styrofoam box to bring home to you. Well, did you get his name? Yeah, his name's Boaz. Boaz! Blessed be the Lord who has not forsaken his kindness to the living or the dead. Boaz! This man is related to... This is Naomi. This is my... This man is related... To my late husband, he's one of our redeeming kin. He could be our salvation. Ruth, he could be our salvation. Well, okay, but Boaz told me not to go glean in any other fields. No, you're not going to any other fields. You're staying with Boaz. Boaz. And so as Ruth had clung to Naomi, now Ruth clings to the fields of Boaz through the barley harvest and then through the wheat harvest, four months, four months go by. So Ruth, the Moabite, clung to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley harvest and the wheat harvest were finished. And she lived with her mother-in-law. That's the end of episode two. Episode three, Boaz, begins next Sunday. You don't want to miss this one. Um, Most of episode three takes place late at night at the threshing floor of Boaz. Our subversive romance is about to heat up, folks. Folks that's a little preview you don't want to miss it so Ruth is the story of how a foreigner finds refuge under the wings of the God of Israel and this is the God who is fully revealed in Jesus Christ and it is Jesus himself who invites you to his table come on now maybe I'll preach a little I'm just trying to tell stories maybe for two minutes I'll preach Jesus is your Boaz that sees you all off by yourself thinking you're an outsider. He says, no, 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 come on, come on, come to me. come on, come over here. Hey, come to my table. Come to my table. Partake of the bread, partake of the wine. It is my life. It communicates to you my own life. You're empty. You're not making it on your own. So I have prepared a table for you. To share with you my flesh, my blood, my life. Jesus is your Boaz. I says, no, you come to my table. You are welcome here. Amen. Stand up with me. And let's get ready to come to the table of Boaz. I mean Jesus. Let's begin first by confessing our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now let's confess our sins and receive the Lord's pardon. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. To all who confess their sins and in humility ask for mercy. So I pronounce over you in the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. And this is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him more. So come you who have much faith and you who have little, You who have been here often and you who have not been here long, you who have tried to follow and you have failed, come because it is the Lord's who invites you. It is the Lord who invites you. It is his will that those who want him should meet him here. The body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. Amen.